Today's reading is from Paul's letter to the Galatians, chapter 3. Just as Abraham believed God and it was reckoned to him as righteousness, so, you see, those who believe are the descendants of Abraham. And the scripture, foreseeing that God would justify the Gentiles by faith, declared the gospel beforehand to Abraham, saying, all the Gentiles shall be blessed in you. For this reason, those who believe are blessed with Abraham who believed. Now before faith came, we were imprisoned and guarded under the law until faith would be revealed. Therefore, the law was our disciplinarian until Christ came, so that we might be justified by faith. But now that faith has come, we are no longer subject to a disciplinarian. For in Christ Jesus, you are all children of God through faith. As many of you as were baptized into Christ have clothed yourselves with Christ. There is no longer Jew or Greek. There is no longer slave or free. There is no longer male and female. For all of you are one in Christ Jesus. And if you belong to Christ, then you are Abraham's offspring, heirs according to the promise. The word of God. Thanks, Thanks be to God. Thanks, Allison. Grace and peace to you this morning. When I think about these verses that were just read, especially the last couple ones, I think about stories like the, friend, or like the one my friend Martha recently told me. She is a pastor in Minneapolis, and she, a couple weeks ago, presided over a wedding. This was not a typical wedding. The bride and the groom weren't like most of the people in her congregation, which, like Mount Olivet, has many white people with enough money to get by. This wedding was between two folks that were different, outsiders. Both the bride and groom had been abused by family members growing up. Both had been homeless at different points in their life. Both had spent time in prison. The bride had battled addiction, and the groom is transgender and had recently transitioned. This couple couldn't afford a typical wedding, and they didn't have any biological family who wanted to celebrate with them. And so these two decided to get married during the middle of a regular Sunday service. <laughs> and the church stepped up and served them just as a family would. Some men of the congregation took the groom out shopping and bought him the first pair of suspenders and the first bow tie that he'd ever owned. And the quilting group of the congregation took out their sewing machines and altered a wedding dress that they bought secondhand so it fit the bride. And they affixed lace around the sleeves. The church bought flowers and they arranged for a little reception after church. And everyone was happy that morning. Everyone applauded the newlyweds. Everyone was a family, even though they were different. 
That's what I think about when I read this passage from Galatians. A scene of people joyfully reaching out across difference, of pitching in and lending a hand, and harmony spreading into everyone's heart. There is no longer Jew or Greek. There is no longer slave or free. There is no longer male and female for all of you are one in Christ Jesus. It's a beautiful sentiment that our differences that we allow to create friction between us don't ultimately matter to God who loves us all equally. But while there are times in my life and probably in yours where human diversity has been beautiful and enriching and easy, If I'm honest, moments like that wedding at Martha's church are pretty rare and fleeting. Mostly, being in community, especially community that crosses lines of difference, is really hard and complicated and often frustrating work. This past week, Mount Olivet hosted three families experiencing homelessness in our building through the Families Moving Forward program of Beacon Interfaith Housing. It was a great experience with real impact. We were able to give three mothers and their combined seven children a full week where they could stop thinking about where their next meal was coming from or where they'd be sleeping that night. We allowed them to keep the money from their jobs and save it for a security deposit on an apartment instead of spending it all on a hotel. Our volunteers were compassionate and energetic and creative and flexible. Our core team was prepared and professional and our church building was welcoming and clean. And yet, Extending hospitality to these strangers who lead very different lives from most of us was not easy or straightforward. A lot of the week was filled with small, complicated situations and tensions that forced difficult questions for us Mount Olivet folks. What do you do? when you're supervising two children that aren't yours and one takes a toy from another? How do you respond when you ask someone how their day was and you get no response? What happens when you work hard planning and preparing a meal to hear someone say, I don't want this, it's nasty? Do you stick up for yourself? Do you intervene? Do you say, these folks have had it hard enough and we should just let this slide? You know you're supposed to show love, but what does love look like? What does love require in that moment? This week was filled with questions like this. And to be clear, we had a really great week and things went smoothly, but there were many more moments than we expected where there weren't easy or convenient answers. And they were all due to the fact that the hosts and the guests 
we're dissimilar. None of us are homeless. Most of us aren't used to being so close to the lives of those without permanent housing. There was a gap between us. And so I found that significantly different life experiences made it so that my assumptions of how to extend hospitality and show warmth and care were no longer automatically correct. My assumptions about how to show love weren't a guarantee that love would be received or communicated. And so I had a choice. I could either hope that they would adjust to my norms of hospitality and love and conform to my order, or I could reevaluate the assumptions I was making and enter into that difficult dance of mutual giving and receiving. This is the kind of situation that our scripture is talking about today. The church in Galatia had all sorts of folks in it. Some were very used to having power. There were Jewish people who had a deep knowledge of the God whom Jesus worshipped. There were slave masters in the congregation and men whom society afforded a good amount of authority. And then there were people in the church on the other end of the spectrum. Gentiles and slaves and women who were used to being denied opportunities to live out their life as they chose. And those differences, that made being in community really hard for them. And so this church, to make it easier, they took the rules of how they related to each other outside of the church, and they imported them inside their church. And so at the church in Galatia, the rich would eat more extravagantly at the shared meals, men would speak for their whole entire families, and slaves would stay subservient to their masters. And this made things smooth and easy and understandable for everyone involved. But there was one problem with it, and that, of course, was that it denied the gospel. Jesus came preaching freedom and love for all people, Jesus listened to and loved and spent time with people who were hurt by society's order. Jesus allowed himself to be moved and changed by the people around him. And so the Apostle Paul, in this scripture passage, is reminding the church of this Jesus that they worship. And he's saying that if you're going to follow Jesus... You can't simply import society's rules into your church. Or you can't simply export your ideas on what hospitality should look like onto others. You've got to choose the option where you don't make people conform to you or your expectations of them. And you've got to enter into that difficult dance of mutual giving and receiving. 
And so the Apostle Paul tells them that in Christ, there is no longer Jew or Greek, slave or free, male or female. And this doesn't sound like good news to the church. Because anyone who hears these words and takes them seriously has got to rethink how they engage in community. This past week at Mount Olivet, the reality surfaced that showing love is really tricky and rarely straightforward. Our ideas about how to best serve our guests were sometimes wrong. And that's okay. It's good, even. Because here's the thing. Anytime we realize that there's more to another person than our assumptions about who they are and what they need, that is God at work. God lies in those moments when we abandon the rules we know and adapt to the reality and the needs of others in our midst. God is out there in the world waiting for our business as usual to be interrupted so that God can jump in and beckon us to deeper understandings of ourselves and others as we rethink what we're doing should actually be worrisome to us if our life doesn't have these moments of confusion and tension and reevaluation. These are the signs that God is at work birthing something new in us and the world. This is the good struggle we're called to. God takes these moments of discomfort and uses them to bring us closer to the knowledge of the reality that it takes all of us equally to give and receive hospitality from one another and to create and participate and sustain that beloved community that God so longs for in our world. For there is no longer Jew or Greek or slave, or free, or woman, or man, or rich, or poor, or suburban, or urban, or homeless, or housed. All are one in Christ Jesus. Amen.